Glory to Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Blessed Feast of the Resurrection as we celebrate every week. We have for this Sunday also the Feast of the Great Hierarchy. The so great of a hierarch that he stands as a model uh, for all hierarchs that followed after him. We have his Traparian is the basic Traparian, which all saintly hierarchs, if they don't have their own Traparian specifically written for them, then we usually do an adaptation of this Traparian for St. Nicholas for those hierarchs, just like there's kind of a generic martyr Traparian where you just insert the names. Not that every every martyr is generic, but there are so many martyrs, we need a basic Traparian to kind of cover all of them, unless it's somebody like Demetrius or Barbara, then they'll get their own specific Traparia. Nicholas is one of the great saints of the church. Like George, like Demetrius, uh, like St. Anthony the Great, or St. Thecla, St. Barbara, you can go through all of the great early saints of the church who are renowned East and West. Nicholas stands out, kind of like just a few days ago we had the feast for St. Andrew, who it seems in the East and West everybody wants to claim Andrew, from Constantinople to Romania to Kiev, all the way over to Scotland. Everyone wants to claim St. Andrew. Well, St. Nicholas is very similar to this, uh, maybe even more into our popular imagination, of course, as Santa Claus or all the variations of St. Nicholas. There's one particular painting. Um, please correct my pronunciation. Ilya Repin. Wow, I got it. Well, close enough, at least. <laughs> he is a great Russian painter. There's this very striking, and I believe I saw some Repin in uh, Chechikov Gallery in Moscow. Uh, because when you see paintings sometime, in person, sometimes, besides the mastery, you're it's ginormous. Like, it's these paintings, some of them, you're so used to seeing them in textbook or in some, you know, your Google search engine. This particular painting of his that I'm thinking of is the scene that we heard it in the hymnity where he is saving the three uh, soldiers who are going to be put to death for treason. And it has him, it's very extreme. You can see one of the soldiers is, he's realizing because the sword is starting to come down and you can see all of the his life flashing before his eyes, and you see Nicholas, and, and the story goes that he appeared in dreams to be able to stop this, but it's really hard to get uh, a painting that captures this live action. <laughs> so uh, the painter has put Nicholas in, metaphorically stopping the sword as it's coming down to take uh, the head of one of these treasonous soldiers. Nicholas is known, as we've heard for his seeking of justice, for his seeking and helping uh, as a protector. Uh, you can see in him why he's a model of bishops, because he's a great advocate for the people, a protector, one who will inveigh for justice for those who are being oppressed, who are being wrongfully persecuted, uh, that he, uh, the famous story why there's golden coins associated with him, of him uh, helping basically three young women from having to go into prostitution, that he helps them from that way of life, that he, from all of this, even in the seeking of justice, 
uh, that he sought justice even in theological matters, that things, the true, that there is truth, that there is something to fight for, maybe even if his zeal took him a little bit further uh, than was necessary, but he was vindicated, and I'm referring to when the council of uh, Nicaea, where you can even see this in frescoes, I actually saw a fresco in Moscow in one of the churches, uh, where you can see Nicholas basically uh, with Arius, uh, heretic, uh, in some position, kind of like Repin at live action, where Nicholas is about to smack Arius on the face because of his blasphemy. Nicholas, of course, um, stands at this great image of a follower of Jesus Christ and his search for justice and his protection and his zeal for truth. And it's something that I think all of us are attracted to. Who does not want to be on the side of those who are being wronged? We all know what it's like to be wronged. We all have that gut response when there's something wrong, maybe at different levels or how exactly something wrong has happened. Some of us want to spring into action. Maybe some of the rest of us maybe hide uh, behind a pseudonym on the internet and still want to figure out what's right and say, you know, tell the truth how it is, even if it maybe it means we have a different name or something. Uh, they can still check your IP address, but that's a whole other matter. But we have this desire, and it's all around us. Uh, we've seen in the past months in so many different areas, whether in racial justice or police justice or uh, money or in regards to the lockdowns and all the arguments, it's almost always something about something is not right and it needs to be put to right. What's fascinating in all this, then juxtaposed then to all the readings that we had this evening from the Old Testament dedicated to the saint. And the theme throughout all of them is wisdom, 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 wisdom. We are surrounded by a world that has a whole lot of information. I mean, good grief, how many stats can we go through in a day or a few hours every morning, afternoon? If you want stats about what's going on, they're available. But we sorely lack wisdom. And the justice that we all want, which from whichever corner that we're coming from, unfortunately usually eludes us. Or we might be able to rightly discern and truthfully speak about something, and yet we have no wisdom about how to actually accomplish this thing. How to do it in a godly way or in a righteous way a way to actually bring peace, to bring reconciliation. Typically, in speaking the truth, and sometimes truth will just stir up and cause, um, I'll say a kerfluffle. <laughs> uh, and you can see Paul and Peter throughout the book of Acts, when they speak the truth, many times, no matter when, in, whether they're speaking the truth or not, there's this huge reaction to them. But we have in Nicholas wisdom the ability that in his seeking justice, he's doing it because he has within himself sought wisdom. In the Proverbs, we have wisdom calling out to us. Wisdom is personified as a woman who is calling out, who's ready to teach, and who's pointing out there is the way of wisdom, and then there's another way. Going all the way back to the very beginning, there's God's way, or there's our way, that we try to deviate from his way. 
that we then see echoed after Moses in the law, that we see echoed in Deuteronomy where we are to respond and say, yes, we will follow the way of Israel. And then no, if we do not, we know what will happen if we do not follow the way. The prophets, again and again, this is the way, and then there's the other way. Wisdom is given to us, calls out to us, for us to emulate Nicholas, that his desire for justice, his desire for things to be right, uh, is something that had already gone through the crucible of his self crucifixion, his self-emulation uh, of Jesus Christ. In what ways? When he was younger, he ardently studied the scriptures and the traditions of the church. He adhered to the fasts of the church. I was wondering if this is, there is a, a common line that we'll see in particular saints where it says, even from childhood, on Wednesdays and Fridays, uh, they would not take milk which, if you know a baby, the idea that a baby would not take milk on Wednesday or Friday is very foreign uh, to nursing mothers uh, and nursing babies. But what's being underlined in that, I'll say, trope, is the desire to have an ecclesiastical mind, to follow the fast, to study, and then when it's time for him, as he inherits his parents' property and money, like other saints before him, he gives them away. He's not addicted to money. He's not addicted to glory. He's not addicted to any other thing uh, that would keep him in that pursuit for justice because it's so easy, right, to overweigh the justice and then lose everything else and nothing else in our life is together. But we've got the truth and we're going to pursue it and everything else falls apart around us. Nicholas, in his zeal for wisdom, in his emulation of our Lord, presents to us a man who followed after wisdom, who controlled, or at least through, especially through the grace of the Holy Spirit, was able to order his life in such a way to be able to speak truth wisely, to walk in wisdom, to walk in the way of the Lord, such that he can become for us uh, one to imitate, one to ask for his prayers, one who can, through his intercessions, pray for us and protect us as we go through all of the waves and chaos of life, that he can still pray for us even though we may not be in a boat, but we're being tossed to and fro. Through the prayers of St. Nicholas, may we give glory, honor, and worship to the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.